Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And hello to our beautiful, stunning, talented mystery guest. I, you're not you're not meant to call women beautiful anymore. You're meant to say that. Oh, intelligent. What? <laughs> I'll be called beautiful any day. When did that happen? I know. Everyone's like, you're not meant to just tell little girls they're pretty anymore. You're meant to say they're clever as well. And I'm like, okay, but I just feel like we should just tell them they're really pretty. <laughs> I know. Anyway, beautiful, intelligent, talented, all of that. We have got an incredible guest today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to skip the news, skip listener feedback. We don't have time for that when such a gorgeous and smart woman is in the house. (laughs) Kasha Pilevich is an actress who has been in many exciting projects. Her two latest films were a short film that she made over COVID during lockdown called Normal. This film has gone on to the Chicago Indie Film Awards, the New York International Women's Festival, and the Los Angeles Liftoff Film Festival. And her latest film, Eminence, just came out on Saturday. She stars opposite Michael Beach. You also might know her from America's Next Top Model. She's a model as well as if being an incredibly gifted actress weren't enough. Kasha Pilevich, welcome to the Lucy and Annabelle show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited. Being here. Hi, Kosh. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for joining us. Because I'm a fan of the show, so I'm like, it's a nice moment to be on because I've been (laughs) listening to you guys for, has it been like two years or how long have you? A year and a bit now. It's been a year and a bit. A year and a bit, over 50 episodes. How did that happen? It feels like two years. It feels like 20 years. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Well, that's because you've made a very full... Full impact. <laughs> what number is this? Is this 55? I think this is 51. 51? Yeah, it's 51. It's pretty good. Yeah. That's, That's nice more than halfway to, to 100. Wait till the 100. Can <laughs> exactly. I come back for the 100th episode? <laughs> yeah, we should have a party for the 100th episode. Wow. <laughs> I'm there. COVID will be gone. It'll be great. We'll do it in person. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've had... Um, some pretty powerful women on our show so far. Thank you for joining us. We've spoken with various women that have had major experiences in their lives in, in the entertainment industry. That's why Annabelle and I began this show is because we had both had major record deals. And we're really interested in your experience in just as competitive a realm of modeling when you appeared on America's Next Top Model. We are dying to ask you a lot of questions that I hope no one's asked you before. Knowing nosy Annabelle, you're going to (laughs) get... I can't wait. You're going to go places you might not have been prepared for, but it's not about, ooh, you were on America's Next Top Model. It's the personal experience of what that was like that we're interested in. So I want to ask you, how was it that you came to be on America's Next Top Model. I know you were already an established model in New York City. Mm-hmm. So how, what, like, because you're from Illinois originally, right? Uh, from just outside Chicago. 
And right, then, so how is it that you got from there to signing with Wilhelmina in New York City and then on to national television? <laughs> well, you know, the overnight success story that is an overnight sort right. of thing. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, because I would, I would be stopped. I was always tall and, you know, interesting looking or whatever they say, as I've been told many. Well, they're everywhere. Like, so unique, you know, unique. Unique looking. It's, it's, it's a nice thing people say to weird looking girls like us, where it's like, I've always been told I've got... I'm a unique beauty, and I'm like, okay, I feel like what you're saying is I'm kind of ugly. There's something about it that you're interested in. I've never even been told I'm a beauty. (laughs) Well, you are. Oh, shut up. As if. No one's ever told you you're beautiful. (laughs) Please. I mean, I, to be honest, have been obsessed with the fashion world since I was a little girl. Which Mm -hmm. is good and bad because, you know, body image problems, this, this, and this. Um, But... I liked that because I always saw these gorgeous models who were kind of weird looking. And I think that Mm. that's what I loved about New York is going there. Well, I'm skipping ahead, but like they they definitely appreciate a little bit more unconventional beauty, which I personally Mm love. But I mean, I started out about I mean, maybe it was a little bit. But my first thing about 16 years old, I got my first agent. So I was scouted. Did like one of those model searches and an agent in New York signed me and then I was signed to Ford in Chicago. I went to New York when I was 16 over the summer, two summers, I think, and uh, eventually moved there as soon as I could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it I mean, it took me a minute. But when I was in New York, like, I mean, it's this is years because I didn't get on to top model till like 10 years after that I was like the old the old contestant on my season wow. but they did a whole segment how she doesn't look old nobody knows how old she is which is you know Lucy <laughs> Lucy knows it's been like a hot button for me but I'm like I don't care I anymore know. but I uh I'm I'm also grateful too because when I was like 18 and trying to like work they're like you look like you're 12 this doesn't work <laughs> so it took, I was a late bloomer uh, in that way okay. I looked a little bit young I did a lot of 17 magazine a lot of the teen Cosmo girl while that was around so I did a lot of that stuff and I was signed to um Wilhelmina in New York I had done V magazine was a big thing that went worldwide and then the top model people like People are going to hate me, but they asked me to audition and I didn't have to do like the big open call because they already knew who I was. So it was a good, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have auditioned. So I wouldn't have been on the show. So I think I really do believe in things that are meant to be for you has a good door opening thing for, especially for Mm -hmm. my acting career and branching out because that's kind of what made me move to LA ultimately. Was. Oh, wow. We shot that here. And so going back to Chicago, where in Chicago did you grow up? I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois. It's a southwest okay. suburb. And then I went to DePaul. Okay. I went to school in, mm-hmm. um, so I lived in the city in Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, and- listeners in Wheaton. Yes. Woo-hoo! And uh, Lincoln Park, Wheaton. Everyone, yeah. If I say Wheaton and someone's from like a surrounding suburb, people all know. Um, yeah, my family's still there. And what did you all study at, at school? Uh, I was a journalism major and an okay. art and studio art and photography minor. I was like, nice. I started a Spanish minor and then that's, that shit got hard. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, once, once the class was completely in the language, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, no, I don't need to do this. But I, in my journalism classes, I did all the performance classes or like the on camera, the maxed amount of that. I, I mean, 
I was really good uh, writing, but clearly was like a hidden closeted performer who wanted to be on camera. Yeah, he just wanted to be on camera, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <you laughs> I took all the Jonathan. theater classes I could. Good. But you're yeah. a very you're a very gifted photographer, so you've gone on to use all that. Mm-hmm. That was amazing for me because they had a dark room. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually had my first art show um, wow. while I was in school. We did a group art show in a no longer. I mean, it's since gone, um, but this great gallery space in, in Chicago, which, again, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now I'm like, it's not so easy to have a, a art show. I had three pieces in a group art show, a mixed media mm. um, piece wow. where I used my photography along with some a- a- acrylic paint, found objects, things like that, which ironically, like years later, I'm going back to um, creating some art and oh, good. working that, that kind of um, passion of mine. I mean, you're obviously a gifted photographer. Your most um, important photo shoot that you ever did was for the Lucy and Annabelle show, obviously. That's right. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, you're Kasha only as good as the subjects our- you have. That is the truth. Kasha took our photos. Um, <laughs> so thank you for doing that. You're a star. Um, of bless course. her. Well, I think it's so interesting that you did photography and ended up being a model like must give you an edge that probably the other girls didn't really have true Mm -hmm. I think that when you are a creative person and you've done a bit of study on what goes on on the other side of the camera on for me on the other side of the microphone the other side of the mixing board you have a bit more control of the situation of yourself you know have a deeper understanding of kind of everything that's going on around you. And I think that that must add to your kind of skill as a model. Or am I completely off with that? No, you're completely right. I, I don't know if it gives you more control, but it gives you more awareness, understanding. Yeah. You're like, I, of yourself, I can... yourself, control of yourself. Mm-hmm, you can sort of at least understand the lighting setup or where mm. they're going with it. Now, I mean, nowadays yeah. you see the digital images pretty much instantly are tethered to, the, you know, they have a screen, but, but sometimes, you know, I mean, years and years ago, like not seeing that instantaneous, like what's, what's happening, mm-hmm. what angles am I getting? Where's, how is the, is it lit very shadowy or is it bright? You know? So just having a general understanding of that helps. And, uh, I also do, <laughs> sounds like I'm like this, <laughs> you know, one of those people, but I also do hair and makeup, which, mm. Also, I always say is a very much a gift. Um, I mean, models always talk about like going to the bathroom and like subtly tweaking. But like, if you know that and actresses too, and any performers, I think if you know, like we know what's best on us. Yep. Yes. I've almost never left the makeup on me the way... They do. I'm it. either looking really? like a geisha or I'm looking yeah. like I'm about to do a drag show. And it's like, I, this isn't. Yeah. You I, just go I'll just, do just it blend, it, blend it in the bathroom and like have your little, like, you know. Put on my own mascara. Like, yeah. yeah, which I'm only doing from now on because I, I swear to God, I'm like, my lashes look twice as long when I do it. Why, why can't you right. do that? I, I know. don't understand. I love it, but it's not my major passion. But people have told me I'm, you know, their favorite makeup artist. And I like to think that's because I've been on both sides and I can understand mm-hmm. where I take and I gather the information of what 
what do you like? What is your style? So I can then, mm. you know, do that. Whereas, especially as a model, you're their canvas. They don't really like your input so much. Sometimes they do, but as a general rule, it's sort of like you're there, let them make you look how they want to look. It's the, yeah. you're the product, uh, which is yeah. not. Yeah. I have hired you many, many times to do my hair and makeup, Kasha, and you are the best. Uh, you are an absolute Thank expert you. at seems like anything you do <laughs> really so bad um, you are you are an absolute expert at at makeup at skincare at products i mean i i'm always picking your brain asking you questions and you're such a generous selfless person that you're always just helping everyone around you with whatever they need to know and you're a wealth of information it's really amazing and you're very passionate about it so that's the great thing. I'm, I'm constantly pushing you to have stronger boundaries where you're not constantly just giving your wealth of information away. Um, I'm looking forward to the book you're going to write. Working on it. Well, yes. and, and everyone's, especially skincare, everyone's always asking me about it. I'm like, I think, I think this is where I'm like, I need a, like a skincare deal or something. I'm I mean, you do. On, you know, uh, because I've been obsessed. Like, I just love I, I just love products and I love yeah. skincare and I love mm -hmm. the, the, the things that are possible now and the technology we have and uh, yeah. makeup products too have come so long since I've been doing makeup. I mean, I started, I was right. a makeup artist since I was like 14, 15 uh, in high school, you know, I was doing the girls makeup for the events and the dances and mm -hmm. I was like, you know, entrepreneur. I was like, this, this makes me a lot more money than uh, babysitting. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let me do this instead. It was just, that's, that's where my mind went. I was yeah. like, okay, cool. So you've had this wild ride since getting scouted in Chicago. You went on to New York, blah, blah, blah. You went on to national television. You've gone on to model here. You, you're still modeling, um, constantly along with your acting. I'm interested to know, looking back on those early days in New York, what would you tell your younger self about the modeling experience now that you've learned more and, and grown into yourself more? Well, it's a different world now. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, when I was 16 and they told me they were putting me in the plus size department, I took that first of all, I didn't understand it because it wasn't a big industry then. Now, mm. uh, Size diversity is huge in 2022 and the last few years, I think the general public understands it because of Instagram, because, you know, of the, the internet basically. But when I started, it wasn't that known. I took it hard and I was like, oh my God, they're, they're making me a fat model. I'm probably going to get hate for that. Mm -hmm. But it, essentially I, I'm like over 5'10 and I was maybe, maybe a size eight. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you're in between, so we're going to put you here. And I just didn't quite understand that, so I think I would just tell myself – because I didn't – there weren't that many other women to look at, like, who were doing that. I didn't – Yeah. I, so I didn't know what that was, and I, I always got the, well, you're pretty, but – so you're pretty, but you're not skinny enough. And that was yeah. always the thing that was a little bit heartbreaking, but at the same time, I'm very grateful I got to work at a high level with amazing – amazing mm. photographers and people and and there just came a point like eventually where I like I don't give a fuck anymore and when I was on top model I was on a high fashion season like Andre Leontali who recently passed who I just yeah. love mm -hmm. love love um was one of my biggest supporters on there and I 
just realize like it doesn't matter they put me on here the token plus size girl but it doesn't matter because i have just as much a shot as this girl who's yeah. skinnier than me and who cares it's like it's not the point annabelle and i talk about this a lot annabelle don't we we talk about things about the body and weight and, uh-huh. and stuff yeah. so this is interesting Oh, yeah, yeah, I would definitely. love to hear what you guys, yeah, where, where you guys talk about that. And I just think it's a relevant, important topic for any woman or anybody. Yeah, I think that, well, Lucy Walsh has naturally got a perfect body and doesn't know. Um, <laughs> exercise. or And she puts us all to shame. And she also probably has never, has anyone ever been like, something's wrong with your body? Because you've got a tiny waist, long legs, massive tits, nice arms. Um... Yeah, me. <laughs> what could you possibly say? It's just exactly what it is. Oh, said. let's Perfect. see. What do I say to myself? I say, um, my legs are fat. I, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> In my what tors- land? My torso is too short. I have that, too. Um, my what? arms are flabby. My boobs are saggy. My, mm. back, my back is ugly. I have wrinkles in my oh. neck. Oh, okay. Um, really really I, let me see i don't see it <laughs> get out of here i have a weird shaped head a what shaped head i have a weird, a weird shaped, shaped head <laughs> like i have so the back of my head everybody's skull is like maybe has bumps on it i have this little like ledge on the back of my skull and it, if seriously you- if i'm if i'm with a man and he goes to touch the back of my head i'll like snake away from him i'll get out of it but because i don't want that. him to feel it i know we have these crazy things about our body that's my point i have a ledge i never yeah, noticed I, have a ledge. I never noticed okay so you're normal gorgeous right. but yes and yeah and my feet the list goes on and on but we do this to ourselves and this is why yeah. annabelle and i discuss this and yeah. not only do we discuss it but we get a lot of feedback from from people, from men and women yeah. on, on, on all things about weight and body, body, love. and Kasha, did you also get your too big to be a regular model, but you're too thin to be a plus size model? Because that's something I have heard before from some models who are what do you what do they call plus size models now fit models or uh or real size instead of the plus division it would be like the curve division curve that's what i mean curve. okay yeah, yeah yeah but yeah my problem was i didn't have enough curves oh okay. i've been told the most insane things i've been with some top you know agents in different cities before i had a, an agent in miami before where they like you a certain a little bit bigger. She's like, "Can you um can you go up two sizes but tone up?" And I said, "That is physically <laughs> impossible for me. Physically impossible." And so I I'd, I'd be like in a Target ad with padding on because I need to fit the clothes. And I understand <gasps> that. Um and that oh went like, God. you know, nationwide. Okay, well, well, well. <laughs> so, whoa. Okay, those two things just blew my Wait, mind. Wait, there's more. There's more, but okay. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So she says, can you go up two sizes, but tone? Yeah, but be more toned because you're flabby. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Okay, and second of all, <laughs> you go... Okay, so you're told a thousand I'm trying to understand things. how... Because Lucy, do you... I mean, it's hard... As... Okay, I don't understand that because I am somebody that understands, you know, 
you had to you had to get really fit for that one thing where you were in the gym, right? You had to like do gym stuff for that movie. <laughs> You're gonna fucking say no. I should have. Lucy's like, oh is my this god, a this bitch. <laughs> no, this bit. She's like, what is this? A doorstop? Oh my god. No, that's the joke. Is everybody? And you know this, Kasha. I'm always the one that gets teased for never ever working out. I hate the concept. I don't want to do it. And then I book a movie where I'm in a sports bra the whole time. But you have abs. I'm like, Lucy, how do you have abs? She's like singing. You do, naturally. What the fuck? And I had to lift weights and I was working with Jason Sudeikis and between (laughs) takes, I was going, Jason, like, am I doing it right? How do I lift a weight? I was like, Jesus, I'm the worst bad actor. I should have looked all this up before I went into the gym. Research. Not anyway. do it. She's like, she's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to Google it to see what it, you need to do to make it look like you're doing it. Anyway, that's she it. has the she body. Anyway. She has the body that looks like she works out, though. How is that? And I don't know. I, I eat donuts and fried chicken. All I don't oh know. God. Okay. Shut up. I know. I'm she sorry. Can't she can't sorry. relate. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. She is- can't relate to the the idea of gaining two dress sizes while also becoming more toned i don't actually (laughs) physically understand how that would be a possible listen i might look i might look good and i'm blessed to you know just look that way but i don't feel good you know so it's not (laughs) serving like i feel i don't you know how your body starts to hurt from lack of physical activity i feel that way yeah collagen powder by the way (laughs) That's my thing. <laughs> we need to just get Will to um, like chase you around or something. I know. He goes to the gym every day. He He's constantly just like, get up, get out, go on a walk, come to the gym Well, with the gym me. is so boring. See, I don't like, like the, the gym. gym, especially now. No. I won't go to the gym and wear a mask. I, I'll be outside. I have my... I have an exercise bike. I have a ballet bar. I just do all my shit. Like, I was like... Yeah. Outdoor. Outdoors, though. I try to walk every morning because... It's mm. just, it's just uh, like Americans are like so gym centric, and I yeah. feel like, I mean, uh, well, I don't know. Other cultures, other worlds, it's just built into. Even living in New York, though, actually, you just walk. It's just built into the lifestyle. Europe, and in England, the, yeah, in Europe, the um, average uh, New Yorker walks something like six to eight miles a day. Wow, just not, just yeah. not. Good doing anything. Right, you're extra. on a fifth floor walk up. Like you get your butt exercise yeah. in. You're just if you have to go out of the house a few times, you're good. So you don't have to do that. I uh, really like walking. Mm-hmm. So I really like walking. That can be walking is literally every older person I know that's good shape, golden, yeah. feeling good, looking good. They walk. That's yeah. all they do. They don't do any other shit. So yeah. I love walking because it's for me. It's like meditation. Yeah. I clear mm-hmm. my thoughts a lot. I get a lot of new thoughts. I never listen to anything when I'm. I never don't. I don't put music or podcast anything in. I just like to be with whatever thoughts come to my mind. And yeah. I think the exercise is a nice byproduct of it for me. But really, it's I'm doing it for the mental. Yeah, side of it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do that in so the mornings. Anyways. It's the best way to start the morning because I, I get that meditative thing too. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went to do a Target ad and you weren't, you know, curvy enough or fat enough or <laughs> this is the other thing enough or whatever the fuck it well, was that was the uh, problem. Yeah. So they padded you Problem. to make you look bigger. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, every casting I went on, I always had a huge padded bra on. Like, I find really, <laughs> I finally threw, I had a bag of boob padding and I had hip and butt pads, but I finally, I threw borrowed it a couple times. Yes, you did. Um, yeah, I remember that. She had to be a little, you know, extra weight for a role. I was working on a scene from Virginia Woolf and I had to be a little chunky and I borrowed Kasha's boot butt. So yep. let's just really put this into perspective is that we are living in a world where models are told they're not skinny enough when they're six foot whatever the fuck and you know maximum size eight which when you when you spread a size eight over six foot that's that's a very slim person yeah so you we're living in a world where there are production companies and brands padding girls to make them look fatter while they're also simultaneously being told they're too fat like what the fuck yeah (laughs) well then i was told to get a boob job many times i was like no i always refuse told to fix my teeth saying your your tits look big to me they do oh they're not but thank you (laughs) Are you wearing yeah, your padded bra nice, right now? No, those are some ample breasts. That's a handful. <laughs> I'm on my period. That's a handful. Okay, great. Yeah. One of the lovely <laughs> side effects of a period. <laughs> yeah, one of the yeah, side effects. Yeah, you can really, you can you go can. into detail about your period if you feel like it. Annabelle does all the time. <laughs> this is the best breast time of the month. No, I'm not, I'm not chesty. I, I never have been, especially for my height and for the the type of modeling I was doing never been chesty enough. And and so it was padding. It was like a bag. I, I kid you not. This I've never talked about. I would buy like a double D or something cup, which I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at my biggest a B, like a small B. Like, honestly, it's okay. like an A. It's like an A to B now. But like, I would buy this double D. I had, there was like a lining because these are like some full coverage nude things you could fit under the clothes this like lining cup so i could put two to three cutlets inside so i created so a, i fashioned a whole boob cutlets <laughs> wow. are is the silicone sort of things that you can stuff in your bra mm-hmm. that and, make your tits look bigger yeah and they look real maybe if you put one in and you have just like your regular your real boob but like for me it was creating a whole thing you go to the garment district in new york you get all these padding that was a place you could get the hip pads like you couldn't find that anywhere but like the model you know modeling agencies tell you where to go and get them and then the butt thing was like underwear with like butt pads which i know before maybe butt what do people do butt filler or whatever the hell that surgery is yeah they put something in that so years ago they had these I don't know if they still make them but like just a little butt lift which I didn't need I have a butt but like to fit the clothes that was the purpose of having um the padding so for certain jobs yeah it sounds horrible but I threw that stuff away because because you know I mean it comes with a experience and age where you're like, okay, take me as I am or or not. Like I stopped wearing padded mm. bras in my own life as a maybe maybe it was a little bit of a rebellion to this, but like I mean, you go you go on a date, you're like, if this is coming off, this is too much. They're gonna be like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was years ago. I stopped wearing it in my personal life. A lot of hiding, isn't there? Yeah, it felt phony to me, and I was like. Mm. 
you know, it's it's one thing to wear a bra that's just going to look look good, but like when you're putting in so much extra and padding, it's like hiding feeling like you're not good enough. And I'm like, what is wrong with having uh, lower like kind of curvier hips and and a smaller top? Like is that bad? Do I have to hide that? No. Eventually, it that's took a long time. I find find really interesting is sort of like why can't you be a curvy girl with small tits? I don't really, you know, it's kind of well. Lately, that's I have strange. Seen, or, there's there's companies that tailor um, bras to smaller chested women, and I have seen, and I know Victoria's Secret is using a variety of model sizes now. So I've seen that they have on these small bra sites, curvier, bigger women but who are still are not big on top. So I think it's changed or it is changing. Mm. I hope it's not a temporary, um, like a temporary little, uh, what's that called? Like novelty of, um, yeah. of a thing. I hope their change in diversity of all types is actually here to stay because, y- you know, the thing is the push for diversity is only as good as like when it becomes really a part of the, the fabric. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah. it's a gimmick. It's another gimmick. Oh, okay, we're we're having we talk everybody. About that. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before. It's definitely it's saying it is one thing, but it's like implementing it and and solidifying it into the system is how we break these kind of systemic. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not norms, uh, ideals. Not, yeah, it, these things that are just kind of. Girls who are curvy have big breasts and big bums. Of course, you know, girls who are whatever it is. Tall girls should be skinny and have flat chests and no ass. It's like, okay, well, no. Says who? (laughs) Exactly. And also, if if that's how everyone looked, you wouldn't be scouting people from, you know, obscurity from the mall and wherever. It wouldn't be one in a million girls. It would be every girl that you looked at everywhere on the street would, would be representing this thing that you're selling us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, it's such a such a strange thing. Do you think that it is novelty, any of this stuff? Have you seen any changes that you've been excited about as far as modeling fashion and advertising of women's bodies that you've been excited about that then has disappeared i think as far as it seems right now because our society is starved to see oh okay there's diversity and beauty i think Mm. and i hope it's here to stay and as far as it looks now um, there is way more of an openness to the models representing uh, a whole different variety. I mean, everything from plus size to even, you know, there's a lot of trans models who are very successful. Mm. And I'm hoping that's not a trend. And it's also in, you know, film and TV, they're using a variety. It, there's still a little bit of like, you don't see anyone over like a really thin size being the lead love interest in a movie. You just, we still have yet to see that be a norm and regular thing. So Mm. hopefully we get to the point. I think the point where there's really change is the point where it's not pointed out because as soon as you're still pointing out, well, they put a curvy girl in that role or in that ad, it's still a thing. 
when it's not um, noticed or pointed out and it just is, is when there's change. So we're getting there, yeah. but I don't know that it's quite the push because I think it takes that push for people to, you know, the same with like using um, people of color and different things. It's like when you stop pointing out that there's a, a black lead when it just is this beautiful lead or whatever. Okay, well, yeah. then there's a change. But like until yeah. that point, it's still like we have to. Tokenism. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten a lot better as far as like size, diversity, and fashion, especially. I I always and this is what I loved about New York. I always think the fashion world in New York is more willing to take on these weird looking people, mm. or even on America's Next Top Model. Like I would, I always said I was very lucky, and I'm very grateful because I would not have gotten, especially in like a three four month period of filming, to work with all these icons in fashion. As even being signed to Wilhelmina in New York and working at a pretty high level, I still would not have gotten that same experience. Uh, I've gotten to walk Fashion Week twice, but like that was over, you know, a few years. Whereas other girls, you have a shot at like, you know, a number of shows every season. So it was limited opportunities for me. I had a really great agent um, at Wilhelmina who was like, he was, and and this is why I loved him. He was this mind of this mindset that like I I don't care that they're not asking for a plus size girl. I think you're interesting and unique, so I'm going to submit you for this. And he would tell me that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I that's the kind of visionaries it takes to create change. Yes, but yes. that this is like 15 years ago. So that's when it mm-hmm. was still unusual. Now there's whole agencies that are created on that construct of we have mm-hmm. a spectrum of sizes. We're not putting them into categories. There's like a health movement, which I think that is the most important part of it. The health aspect, because so many girls have come out over the years with eating disorders uh, that have yeah. tried to conform to the thin thin model standard and actresses too. And I mean, that's not limited to that. That's like anybody in the world. But when you're put on these crazy standards and you have to do it for your job, it becomes a whole other level of stress and like trying to fit this narrow mold so yeah it just sounds so stressful to me that just feels so stressful it puts you i'm sure in this kind of life or death death mindset all the time because obviously our work is bear with me you know let's go back to our sort of basic instincts of kind of survival we need to work that's our going out and getting food you know that's why we work to have money to pay for the things that we need to survive. So when your work is constantly being put in this place where it's like, if I don't look a certain way or have a certain measurement, the stress that that must cause, I just, I can't even imagine. And, you know, on, obviously I'm an ex-top model fan. Um, (laughs) So... They send you into this house, right? They get you there, you do your auditions, you know, blah, blah, blah. You all meet each other. It's chaos. And um, and then they send you into this house, which is meant to be like a model house. Because when you're a model, right, You when you were younger, 16, you went off to New York. Presumably, you lived with probably like six girls in a one-bedroom apartment or something. You know, that's what these model houses... Everyone I know that's a model has had that kind of journey. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it sent one air mattress and three of you are on it and 
you know, it's that kind of thing. So then you go on to America's Next Top Model. Maybe people are thinking, oh, this is what it's like to be a model. So glamorous. They're in this nice house. And it's like, no, <laughs> these bitches literally 24 hours ago were sleeping on an air mattress with like three other people. So <laughs> right. that is not the case. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about that element of of the Next Top Model experience where obviously you've told us about the body stuff, which is crazy, and the fact that you got to work with these just unbelievably renowned, talented uh, artists that you admire massively that you wouldn't have been able to work with in any of the contexts. Then what's the, you know, what's the nitty gritty of the experience? Like, how did your life change from being a kind of everyday model in New York to then going into this house into this tv show it, are there therapists on call are there medics there all the time do we have bitches trying to like you know overdose in the bathroom like what is happening <laughs> they they're yeah the therapists even to get on the show i think they call it about like 30 30 to 40 girls to la for like a two week one or one or two week period to narrow it down to the final cast which was 16 of us um, before you get in the house, you're in a hotel. There are therapists and they screen your mental health very, wow. very mm-hmm. thoroughly. I mean, the they contract- didn't do that on Rock the Cradle. They didn't. They wanted you to be crazy. Oh God, you're yeah, making. They knew. They knew you were all fucking crazy. <laughs> Nobody. Right? That's but why. here's my theory: is I don't think it was to clear. <laughs> I don't think it was to clear the non-crazy. Oh. I think they. Yeah. I think they pick and choose a mix of. People. Oh, okay. Like, Be- how mentally ill is this person? Okay, <laughs> yeah. enough that they're not going to kill themselves. Yeah, right. But also enough that they're going to make this show fireworks. And I think during the pandemic, we realized mental health, and this is what my short normal is about. It doesn't mean you're crazy. Everybody realized, I think, how important thinking about mental health is. But, I mean, there were definitely heavily medicated girls. And I think... Um, and you know, then you have the dramatic one, you know, is going to create problems and probably she's doing that for attention. And there was that girl, uh, the high stress situation they put you in would make anybody break. And I I don't know if the same on, you know, I I've heard that's on every reality show because you're in such a bubble and such a stressful thing. Like the shoot days sometimes would be. I mean, I don't know, 18, 20, maybe that's an exaggeration, 18 hours, like some of the long, long days. And then the biggest thing is like at the time they took away, we had to get off all social media. I had to break all my agent contracts. I had to leave all my jobs. I had to leave my Mm. acting class. You you had to leave everything. Uh, You tell your family, you won't hear from me. Like the only, you didn't have a cell phone. So that was the biggest, I think, also... Uh, kind of thing that makes you go a little crazy. You don't have your friend to call or your family to like confide in. You can't because they want to capture all that. Yeah, uh, they want you to be on a camera. Nuts. Yeah. We ha- it was the same. Yeah, yeah the same it was thing. The same. We went to Vegas. We'd go on these shooting trips with the whole cast. No phones, and you had bodyguards with you to make sure that you weren't speaking to the other <laughs> cast members. Off camera. Yeah, they put us on ice. That's what they called it. Yeah. So we had ice a lot. Yeah, we had handlers. Um, 
who there that was their whole job is like when they were not rolling like if we were traveling a section where they weren't rolling we weren't we were on ice you weren't allowed Isolated. to talk you weren't allowed to talk to people uh, because they wanted to capture everything on camera and and you know of course we'd get in trouble sometimes but for the most part um they're always taping and they're in the house right there's cameras everywhere which you forget eventually because you're mic'd and you're like shit I'm peeing I'm in the bathroom and they right. they got that let's just hope they're not complete dickheads and use that um which I mean, I, th- there are certain boundaries, but they they definitely put you in like a hamster um, house, you know, ha- a, a little habitat. I think there was like four of us in a bedroom, bunk beds, you know. So they're trying to recreate that model house vibe, but it's a beautiful. <laughs> we were in this beautiful like penthouse in downtown LA, which none of us could have afforded at the time, of course. Mm. Or still, <laughs> but like <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, like uh, gorgeous view and whatever. But ceiling, you know, floor to ceiling windows. Um, but it, the environment is designed to create drama. It is, and mm-hmm. and that's. I mean, I don't think that's a secret. But the thing is, like, yeah, you realize who has mental health issues. You realize who has an eating disorder. You realize, like, because you're living with somebody. That's They always say that's mm-hmm. when you get to know somebody is when you live with them. So there was this, the gambit of all that in my season. And, and then, unfortunately, they didn't address it, but they want it to thrive, I think, because, uh, you know, these are issues that make good television. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So as much as there's the the beauty in the photo shoots, and I was very lucky that my season was these amazing photographers, there is the the push for the drama and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of known for not feeding into that. And they made they they painted me. I was gonna say, which girl were you? They, <laughs> the experienced <laughs> one. They painted me very much okay. kind of who I was because I I went in and. We're interviewed all the time. You know, you have the confessional, which everybody knows of like anytime you need to get like and that's when they green screen you in the back with different backgrounds and you're talking to camera. So we'd go in there by ourselves. We'd go in there in twos and threes, you know, to talk about the other people. There were like little segments where we're all talking about the bitch of the house. Um, and then who was were, the bitch of the house? Um, uh, Alexandria. And was she? Yeah, Alexandra. Edited as the bitch of the house Alexandra? as well. Oh yeah, she was. She was well known to be the bitch of the thing. And then they did. Um, she went came back. They did like an all stars thing, and some people were invited mm-hmm. to come. And of course, of course, they bring her because yeah, I mean, they're going to bring the spicy bitch back. She has some good pictures, but <laughs> as far as like you know, who would really be like a fashion model? You kind of know like why this person is there. So Tyra Banks. Yeah. Now, in this economy that we live in now, where it's, it is about mental health, it is about physical wellness, it's about, uh, you know, we care about people's pronouns and that we don't fat shame people. We're in a very precious time, which for me yeah. is a little too precious, <laughs> but, uh, but in a way, you know, I think it's good because we've gone very far one way and, you know, I see in my little niece... 12 years old the body positivity thing is great they are not judging girls they are not being mean to girls because of their size their weight if you got big was the whole thing so it worked we are in the hell zone i think in our generation mm-hmm. where we've had to live in the kind of trenches of the movement and now the younger ones are hopefully going to benefit from <laughs> uh from our 
uh, misfortune. But <sighs> you're in the house and Tyra Banks did and said some absolutely outrageous things. And she has since gotten in such hot water about this. There's so many clips, so many things have come up. Were you ever on the other end of that? Or did you ever witness something where you were just like, fuck me? I'm just so interested because it's obviously what we see now is more about that stuff than we see about the show itself. It's kind of like, fuck, we all watched this thing that was like crazy mm-hmm. in today's economy. It just wouldn't fly. Yeah, you can't say it. I'm like, I'm like, remind me, what have you seen? I, I sort of, I will say she was always a big proponent of like diversity in fashion. Like look wise, she'd mm-hmm. be like, this girl looks yeah. weird, but I could see it. And like, she always tried to have maybe not every season, but a bigger girl. And <laughs> it's like, well, again, it's bringing that token thing until it becomes more mainstream. So she could be. Um, credited with giving a little push to the mm-hmm. the movement, right? Because yeah. um, that was her whole thing. She's like, I looked weird. I was bug-eyed. I had a giant forehead. My tits five were head. huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it the five head? The five um, head. So, five head. Yeah. <laughs> so she, definitely from that perspective, I would say she was a big game changer, I think, for anyone that was a bit different. Mm-hmm. It's more so the like cutting when she would like kick people off or like give people bollockings and stuff and you're sitting there watching at home just like oh my yeah. god i mean i want the couch to swallow me was there any of that on your season where you saw a girl get a bollocking where you're just like i want to die right now watching this this is too much for me you, there was a thing i forgot <laughs> i forgot about <laughs> interviewed last year so it's like 10 year anniversary and, and and they were asking me and i forgot there was this big fight on one of the back um one of the shoots we had with nigel barker who's been on the show for the whole time pretty much yeah and this whole set and i i forgot what it was about but like the two girls that ended up t- in the top three had a big rivalry and i'm like i was just i guess i was just in my zone worrying about my performance because <laughs> he's talking about it and he's like that was the big fight of your season and it, i could not for the life of me remember it which oh my god <laughs> of course people are commenting what an airhead what this but i was like honestly like i don't I'm glad that 10 years later, this has not been my life because I'm like, wait, what happened? I, but that's the kind of person that you are, Kasha. You don't engage with drama around you and it's infuriating. To it, it is. Well, the thing is, who want you to. they wanted us to because they would, they would probe us in these interviews with the producers, the sit down interviews where they're questioning you. They're not going to use their part, but they're going to use your sound bites. They always yeah. tried to get me to talk about the shit and I always, maybe it's my journalism background i always fucking spun it to it be is. like you know it is and not to be so pc because i was also like okay they say i'm real fiercely real and and no bullshit because i don't I, that doesn't mean i want to be phony or fake it just means that like yeah what is more important to me is getting to the next episode so i can you know work with this uh person versus like getting into this drama with these girls. I was always uh, also older than them, though. So it was different because there were girls who were were on your grind. They were from the middle of nowhere. They didn't know the industry at all. And it was like, so I was this painted as the professional. But like when I thought about that, I was like, I don't remember. I really didn't. And that's That's the honest truth is I 
I didn't, but they pushed for that very much so. Mm-hmm. And and people always ask me about Tyra, and I I love her. I think she's she's a bitch in the best way because she's mm-hmm. she's also in her own land. Like she did not talk to us off camera. There were like Miss mm-hmm. J, who I love, did Mr. J in his own land. He wrote a book which I haven't read. I don't know what he talks about in there, but like. Tyra is a businesswoman, and I respect yeah. that. So, and you're a businesswoman. And I'm a businesswoman. And I, she was not sitting and being our friend, but I always said she doesn't have time for that. And I get that. She's running mm-hmm. a show, so she's going to get what she needs on camera. And a lot of those yeah. moments are real, of course, because she's also lived the business of it pre this show, which is what made her create it. And Honestly, bring it to mainstream America because most people in the world, uh, because every country has their version now, but people didn't know about mm-hmm. the fashion world in the same way. Um, and the insanity. No. I mean, there's so much insanity, but it's just part of the the part of the world. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say I don't know that anything other than that one sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Like a big blowout. So you were there. Fight. You were just focused on your shit. You were not engaging with the drama. You were not engaging with any of that. Would you say you seem like you're quite unscathed and not traumatized by your America's Next Top Model experience? Would you say that you're rare? Would you say that most of the girls are slightly kind of left, maybe a little bit? Uh, yes. Deer in the headlights after the experience. I mean, and this is me 10 years plus years later, 11 years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had I, some time to... I 100% had PTSD. I've never said that. You did? Mm-hmm. I've never said wow. that uh, publicly, but 100%. So even though I was, I don't know if level-headed is the right word, but like on my you know, focused mm-hmm. on the prize, right? The eye on the prize. And and it, not not even necessarily winning, but like, which was a great IMG contract and an Italian Vogue prize, which would have been amazing. And this was pre them having mm-hmm. plus size models on the thing. So it would have been a big thing. They definitely, like I was a finalist, so I had a shot. And then yeah. um, I know the... You know, I met the head of IMG because he came on one of the last episodes I was on. And he told me I look like Stevie Nicks. <laughs> I had a vibe. Oh, wow. okay. I was like, yes, yes, I love love that. But but I met the people, um, the Italian Vogue uh, editor who uh, has since passed was great. Like, you know, so I met I met the people who could have changed my career. And then I heard from friends, my friends who were in the production on the production side later on after I was kicked off that there was a deal and and not even like winning the show, but a separate, there was something they never told me details, but there was something, some kind of contract deal that got messed up for me because production would not allow it, but something big. So again, I was, I was a little, I was angry, you know, after, because they don't let you work for six months after because you shoot the show, they have to edit and then it doesn't air. So I had to go get some, uh, ironically was working at a mental health center after just like in the office, you know, cause I couldn't, I couldn't do any, um, acting or modeling work for like six months and I hadn't won. It was traumatizing. It's part of your contract. It's part of your contract. Yeah. You can't get an agent until, after all your episodes air. 
you can't go back to your agent. And of course they were all mad at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was hard. That part was hard after. Cause you're like, what do I do with myself? I've been working. Then I had this huge experience and now I'm back to like, feels like square zero where you don't know what to do with yourself. So I, I had some PTSD. Absolutely. And the way they, they boot you off is pretty brutal because they find, mm. they sort of find your thing. And then they, for me, it was like the size thing. And I've talked about this mm. before after the show. It's like, I said it and they don't air it all because they're like, they don't want people to think you're too smart and you know, but I was like, um, all of a sudden we got to Morocco to the finals. I got to go abroad, which was an incredible trip. And then the first go see casting we have, they didn't have anything that fit me. I'm like, oh, this has never been a problem before. You guys have all my measurements, <gasps> but you ironically couldn't, uh, you know, give me. So they started chipping away at my confidence with the size thing. And oh I was like, I'm not giving God. into this. I'm not giving into this because I knew the game. You know, I knew what it was they were doing. But again, this many years later, sure, I could sit here and be like, it's, it's totally cool. I don't. I remember things like that because that was hurtful. That was hurtful. And they mm. have a camera invasively in your dressing room while you are wearing something that doesn't fit you. I mean, who would feel good in that moment? No one feels good. No yeah. one feels good. Yeah. So that was like wow. all of a sudden when they wanted to sabotage my last shoot to kick me off. So that's so they you feel that they had already decided that you were going. And it's, it wasn't just me. Every week before me, I saw that. They were like, okay, okay. Like, this is this person's like weak confidence spot. So we're going to yeah. kind of attack that. You know, if they had told a girl that her expressions weren't whatever, they only would show her dead eyed expression. And then you have a shitty picture. Like, you know, they never show the whole, the whole uh, shoot mm. where you see they pick one shot and they spin it how you want it. And I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that's a secret. I'm probably going to get my was you know, that, contract. When that happened, when that happened and it, a girl's time was up and she had the the black spot pinned on her back or whatever it is, you know, did everyone know? Was it like, fuck, like it's happened. She's been, the sights are on her. Yeah. And did the energy towards that girl change or was everyone nice and supportive or did you pretend it wasn't happening or was it sort of like, shit, it's the weak one, pack animals, get away? Yeah, you know, everybody. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. Sick one. It's a little bit of everything because you want, you know that like by her going home, you're going to make it. So you at the same time, mm. and I was very, other than the one bitch girl, I was pretty close with everybody and, and had a good relationship, but you know, even I remember the, the episode before going to Morocco, I'm like, I want to go abroad. And we knew who was going home. And it was like the sweet girl from Texas who, you know, had never been outside her small town. And then they started aye, sort aye. of chipping away at that. Um, I can't remember exactly, but like her naivete basically became mm. the thing and she didn't know enough and this. And at the same time, as much as you want to support and that's your friend, it's a competition at the end of the day, mm -hmm. so you do have to put yourself first because, but but the way the way it was happening, yeah, we pretty much always knew by the time it was that deciding photo shoot or video shoot, you could tell who they were sort of painting to be to have a problem, and sometimes it was like a psych out, like the time that the one um, girl tried to direct the shoot and take over. Uh, 
and we thought she was going to go home. Then during the judging, she got like a warning and didn't get sent home. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. usually you could tell. A psychological fuck show, all in all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) You'll need therapy after. um, (laughs) Fucking hell. It's fascinating just hearing you say this and relating it to being on the music reality show with Annabelle was supposed to be on it. And she said no at the last minute. And I came on after her without auditioning. So we missed each other, but we both shared that experience. And just hearing what you're saying about how it worked and and how they boot you off and everything and the PTSD that comes after it is amazing. And they made, they make up stories about you as you're leaving and they, they design it how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But coming out of that, I'm just interested what you would say to girls starting out in the modeling because you're still here and you learned so much and that makes you an expert. We have many listeners that reach out to us going, how do I get started as an actress? How do I get started as a musician? I want a record deal. What do I do? And so what would you say to these, to, to anybody wondering? Don't listen to any one person's uh, opinion. I would say number one, because I have been told uh, like a gamut of different things like, and it comes, you know, okay, this person get a boob job. This person, you know, uh, your, your arms are too skinny for the rest of your body. Like you hear the most horrific things, fix your teeth. I'm like, I like my teeth. Like, you know, shit like that. Don't listen to anybody who's telling you to first of all, change sometimes. And we know this back from like Cindy Crawford with the mole. Sometimes the thing that people fixate Mm. and tell you to change is what is going to end up being what makes you stand out. Um, Mm. People with, you know, a gap tooth or freckles then are like celebrated or, um, you know, all the different, I I forget what that, uh, Winnie Harlow, you know, that model who's gorgeous and Mm -hmm. she was started on top model and then just blew up because uh, of her skin condition makes her unique. But it's like, that's after a, Heart, life of heartbreak of being told that you're yeah. you're uh, an outcast. But there's something wrong with you. There's something yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, be true to yourself. The thing is, it's a very, it's still a very competitive, specific niche industry. And now with the internet, like a lot of people are being discovered on Instagram and things like that. But this still, the way to go about it is go to a reputable agency. They used to have open calls. I'm sure with COVID they don't. But they always asked for snapshots. Clean, you know, simple photos with no makeup and natural light and, like, raw. And I think that's the thing, especially when you're a model in New York, is that raw beauty. Like, they don't want you to go to your castings with makeup on, with um, dressed up. They want you to be a blank slate. We're all black or, you know, a jeans and a, a tank top and be simple and be that clean slate so they can see what they can do on you. And I know <clears throat> it's a little bit different with the Instagram culture, which is a, a little bit of what I have a problem with is the way people represent themselves and like over filter and and like yeah. talk we're about that. all guilty. You talk about that. This is part of what I want to get into is like we are all guilty of that because now we're so capable of uh, uh, manipulating our image online. But the thing is like, it's gone, it's gone so far that like people use 
apps and filters that literally change your features. And I feel Mm -hmm. like then everybody is starting to look the same. And it's like that takes away from your individual beauty. And the thing is like, how boring, you know, that everybody looks the same. It's that Instagram face. It's that Instagram face. It's the fox eyes and the overfilled lips and the tiny nose and the whole thing. And it's the eyebrows that have been freaking pinned up here. And like everyone looks the same. I'm just kind of thinking, when are we going to get tired of this? Because mm-hmm. it will. It's, it's boring. So boring. <laughs> it's yeah. so boring. And and if you're if you're looking at even celebrating people from different countries and different ethnicities, there's a reason. Like this culture has this feature predominantly mm-hmm. versus this. And mm-hmm. why is everybody all of a sudden? Yeah, have these eyes and, the, you know, like yeah. not everybody looks like that and they don't have to. But no. as soon as we we start like all celebrating that as like the one way to look, it's like it takes away from any kind of beauty of individuality. So I'm hoping that goes away. Uh, and I try not to post things that are manipulated like that. And of course, you all yeah. want to put your best face forward. And mm-hmm. It's a curated vi- view of your life that's like this much, this sliver. It's the highlight reel. It's the highlight reel. Yeah. It's the best bits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. But I love, and I know a lot of people love when they see somebody, produ- like someone really um, who has a huge following post something real and maybe mm. not so pretty about their life. People are like, mm. oh my God, thank you, because I've felt like this before. And it's a hard thing mm-hmm. to do. That's a brave thing. And I'm not saying you have to post a picture of you looking ugly, but like, be real, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's hard. Like, I, I'm, I'm hoping really I'll be brave. Hard. I'm hoping I'll be brave enough to do some of that. But I, I think it's the fear. Yeah, if you want to get into the modeling industry, okay, my whole... Every picture of me online has to look perfect. And it's like, that's not real because models yeah. have outtakes and bad pictures too. But like, it used to be your portfolio. Like I'd walk around with a book to the castings and that book is very yeah. curated and it has your best, the highlight, your best things in a book. But you didn't feel like everywhere with a phone, you have to capture your best angle. It's like, oh my God, it's exhausting. Yeah. So to summarize, would you say that you're, your advice is embrace the things about you that are different and maybe considered, you know, not so hot by some people. Maybe use those things to, as your angle, as your thing, as your niche, as your strength. Make your weakness, your weakness, inverted commas, your strength. Definitely. Yeah. And especially in. Yeah the fashion world that is a little more open to those unique qualities. Cause I think Hollywood, mm. Hollywood is still more mainstream than like high fashion. Yeah. Um, they will put a, a weird, I mean, I, and I hate to even say a weird looking person on a magazine cover yeah. or in a spread in Vogue or W or something. And it's incredible. And it's, it's, it's uh, thought provoking and, it's artistic. It's a little bit more uh, high art mm. in that way. So I think, I think the filters and the Instagram culture doesn't necessarily correlate with high fashion. If yeah. that's what you're going for, yeah, submit to like the reputable agencies who will see something in you that maybe not everybody okay. else will see. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was so interesting earlier in the chat you said uh, that you don't see the a girl that's kind of bigger or curvier or a little bit different or quirky being kind of the love interest or the leading person in a film. I guess this is for both of you. I had never even thought about that before. <laughs> really? How <laughs> fucking dumb am I? I no, it's not dumb. I never even thought about, uh, about that. I'm just so used to seeing what I see. Also, yeah, I'm, I'm so shit at all this stuff. I'm like, <laughs> when it comes to movies, I'll watch anything. I'm not one of these people that's like discerning. Like, I know the difference between a movie and a film, if that makes sense. Mm. Do you know? Do you get what I mean by that? Mm. Um, but I don't think one is better than the other necessarily. I'm not like a high art movie person. I don't find like French fucking <laughs> thing. I'm just like, uh-uh. I, no, You're probably like most people. So No, I'm just so like Joe Schmo when it comes to movies. So it's it never even occurred to me that that, that isn't something that we see. How dumb yeah. is that? <laughs> it's not dumb. In acting, there are different body types, right, Kasha? There is yeah. the leading lady body type in there. If you are if you don't fit that mold, which is slim, good looking, uh, then you're a character actor. Yep. And the, 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 there's pretty much just the two groups. You're either the leading lady or the best friend. Mm -hmm. I think in as the same in modeling, they are doing a lot to stretch that out and kind of I've seen a couple movies. Josh Gad is one of my favorite actors. I love, I him. love him. And and he's starring as the romantic lead, which you look at it and you go, whoa, that looks different. But I'm happy. Good for him. Good for them. What's he in? He's in this new movie with Isla Fisher. Oh, I love that. But is that, so just to be dead, play devil's advocate here, he's a man, so. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. where's the woman yeah. uh, equivalent? Right. Isla Fisher I, I is his love interest. He's gorgeous. I can't think of some, and this happens with Jonah Hill, which now he's completely changed the way he looks. But, you know, it, Jack Black, he's playing the romantic lead, but Kate Winslet is starring opposite him. Exactly. So, you know, it's like balanced or whatever mm -hmm. in the holiday. Um, but yeah, you're right, Annabelle. I, I can't think off the top of my head one recently where there's been a curvier romantic lead uh, female or just um, a female that's not traditionally attractive, you know? Right. Somebody that's, you know, maybe faces a bit different or something. Well, no, I mean, right. I, I think of um, who I love and is brilliant, Melissa McCarthy, but she has proven yeah. herself to be yeah. brilliantly talented, hilarious, to then get the leads in movies. You know, she didn't start off that she's way. She's bankable. She's, so, she's, she's bankable. money. They yeah. know they're going to make money with her. Right. So it's. I think that's a different thing. It's, it's like, different. where is the risk with the... You know, whatever the next rom com is, there's not where the girl or the woman looks a bit. Yeah, you know, it's hard. It it's and it's also ethnicities. Um, mm -hmm. one of my friends, his name is Chin Han. He's a really successful working actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. He was played opposite Kate Winslet in Contagion. But he is really frustrated because Asian men are not getting the romantic leads. They're just not accepted as the romantic lead. And Crazy Rich Asians kind of took that forward. But you don't see that as the norm. He's frustrated because all he gets to play is the scientist, the nerd, 
the best friend. How stereotypical uh, are those? They are. And it, it, the same with, with African-American men, with black men. They struggle with the same thing. You know, they have to dumb themselves down because if they come at it with that danger, whoa. Too much. You know, if they whiten themselves up, sorry to say it that way, but they this goes on. It, it exists in acting just as in any industry where we are fighting to stretch out of these little boxes that everybody's been in. Well, the money makers are scared. That's That's a known thing. The money, the decision makers, the people with the money, they are scared of something new because it hasn't been tested to make money. Like, that's ultimately where it comes down to. Yet audiences and the people are starved for, to see something Mm -hmm. different. So who's the one who's going to make the change? I just want to say on the record that I think Asian dudes are really hot. So I would love to see uh, an Asian... Dude, romantic lead. Um, so any filmmakers out there listening, um, yeah, please. <laughs> Cast Chin Han as your romantic lead. He's sexy. Okay, send me his headshot. Daddy Chin, I want to see him. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, so Kasha, you and I met in an acting class. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to see you on stage so many times. I've gotten to act with you on stage. We've had very good times. Mm-hmm. F you, you know what I'm thinking. When you played this one character in this Shakespeare play, you were so outrageously funny. <laughs> and I... I had to stand there on that damn stage and I had to be completely straight faced and not break character the whole time. It was excruciating. But Well, you did I, it. So you're brilliant. You did it. But thank you. Thank you. During lockdown, you created and starred in this film called Normal. And it is about mental health. I just wanted to know what that experience was like creating a, a short film and filming it during lockdown when mm, yeah it was in everything is shut and you're wearing masks yeah 2020 uh i think we shot in july so that was right in the midst of like nobody was leaving their house all that and i think all of us uh, creatives actors uh la was completely shut down we didn't know what to do with ourselves because the business completely shut down and i have a hard time when i can't be creative so what was initially one project that a, a mutual friend of ours and I had written for the ABC showcase, it was like a finalist and then we didn't get in. We're like, we want to shoot this piece anyway, but we couldn't do it here. So we're like, okay, we're going to go on this road trip. So I took a three month road trip across the country. That project didn't really work in that setting. So we got to Chicago where my family is. So we stayed a, a week with my sister and this project, this film Normal, just came out where we're like, we sat down one morning, we're like, we just want to shoot something we have to um, create, basically. I think if you're an artist, you feel that innate need to create. Mm-hmm. So everything that was happening just fed in. And honestly, like, it it came easy, which was beautiful. We wrote the script in one day and figured everything out, location scouted the next day, and we shot the next day. So it was a very short timeline. We did not have a crew. We shot on our iPhones. We had anamorphic lenses, which make it look very cinematic, and Filmic Pro, which is the best app, to make it look like a movie. And there's whole festivals that are around the iPhone shooting on there. But it was a risk, creatively, because it could have failed miserably. But the thing is, I think our story and relatability... You shot a movie on an iPhone? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we didn't have a DP, we didn't have a sound, you know, we had um, 
loves that connected to the phone and some we had some equipment because we had traveled with the intention of shooting this other project and mm -hmm. uh but like my sister let us shoot in her place so we redesigned the thing and use her car and then my niece plays my daughter in the movie i was like you can't get an actor right now so no. family member who you're quarantined with i was like okay she was three at the time i was like this is perfect so we're gonna write the story about a young single mom struggling right now. And then at this time, this was still very early in the pandemic. There was a lot of talk about the mental health issues. And there still is. But mm -hmm. in the beginning, I mean, so sadly, we lost a lot of people who didn't couldn't uh, manage. Like, people were committing suicide because this pandemic turned everybody worldwide, our lives around. So we yeah. tried to create a story of relatability i didn't want her to be crazy my character i played um sarah but at the same time she's struggling with this issue of being a single mom who's young and already is struggling in life and then the pandemic hits and then her insurance lapses because of her lack of a job so then she couldn't so all these obstacles in her way of not only was her life already difficult as a young single mom with a shithead of a you know, ex, uh, the father of her child, but then the pandemic hits. And what do you do? Um, we really tried to create this claustrophobic sort of um, environment of a set in their house uh, where or her apartment with her and her daughter to mimic then the claustrophobia going on in her head, having mm. a mental, um, she's bipolar. So then without her medication, she's trapped in her head but then the two spectrum, uh, the two ends of the spectrum on bipolar is the manic and the depressive. So where do you go in the course of a day from, you know, zero to 100? So playing within that realm gave me a lot to play with. Um, and then the director, Alethea D'Angelo, I'm not a mom, but she's a mom. So she brought like kind of being a single mom in that part to the table. And my niece was brilliant because working with a kid is so hard and I had never done it, but you have to improvise a lot and I have to get in the pieces of the story that needed to be there. But she's three, she's not memorizing lines. So we're just working with it to get it. So it was this amazing acting challenge. And then we shot a little bit more than you think you need. And we were aiming for a three minute short. It's a 14 minute short. Mm. So it ended up that... Mm. I think just like synergistically, magically, the universe, this is, here's my like witchy spiritual side coming out. The universe worked in our favor. Like we shot mm. through the day and then through the night, of course, to steal shots of the city in Chicago. We were in Chicago and the gorgeous mm. city and the sort of, there ended up being these parallels of like, <laughs> like the, I had this mask at the time, I said smile and these things of the Joker and the Chicago set and these like kind of alternate like mental health things of mm. her, her like losing her mind in this world. And then we left a lot of things ambiguous, um, like the ending of like, does she go back for her kid? Does she not? Like what's happening? And, and audiences have really responded. My favorite thing is that people who have seen it have said they can relate to Sarah in a way. Um Mm. because that's what I wanted. I didn't want to paint this picture of a crazy person. I wanted it to be like, this can be your sister, your neighbor, your friend, who you don't know is mm -hmm. struggling with these things, but now we're seeing what's in her head because she's locked down, as we all were during COVID, you know, the beginning of COVID where you, you, we didn't know what was happening and what do you do with yourself. So anyway, I'm rambling, yeah. but that sort of was the goal with that. No, no, no. It's fascinating. I love... Uh 
listening to and watching you talk, you kind of <laughs> went into a different zone there. And it's, um, no, it's nice. It's refreshing to hear somebody talk about their creativity in a way that uh, I, I don't really even have the words to describe what where you just were, but I liked it. I know what you mean. And it was I inspiring. I responded to that and it lulled me into just like... I know, I was looking at Annabelle's face. She's like, <laughs> oh, that's good. I know, it's so... It's so it, it's an uncomfortable place for me because I feel like the more... And I have a couple more projects in the works, but the more I am using my own voice as a filmmaker to create... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I directed one short in December and I'm working on my next project. But that's a scary place because as an actor doing other people's projects... You're, you're using their words. You're telling their story. But now what mm-hmm. I'm really trying to do is merge that with my own voice. My, um, there's a picture in my room that has been inspiring me and I look at it every day. Uh, it says she spoke and her voice changed the world. And I think mm-hmm. that is so important for everybody, all women though, yeah. especially who are underrepresented as directors and as filmmakers and creatives to use their voice because who's telling our story? A man? who has an experience being in a mm-hmm. woman's mind. Yeah, usually it is. <laughs> so I, that is yeah. my goal, which is so, like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, I'm not going to tell a man's story. I've never been a man. I don't know what that's like. Mm. You know, maybe I can if I hear something from somebody else. But but I'm trying to, and it's hard for me, so maybe that's why I go in a different zone, but I'm trying to no, be. No, it's not. It doesn't look hard. It looks like that's the zone you're meant to be in. And I don't know you that well. I've spent a very small amount of time with you and then sat here listening to you talk about other things. But the zone that you were just in seems like the zone that you should probably be in. As a stranger, yeah. take it or leave it. I, thank <laughs> you. No, that, that that means a lot. That's really... Thank you. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's a confidence struggle that I'm, I'm still not yeah. feeling like I'm quite comfortable with but I, at the same time i feel pushed and compelled to to be Good. going there yeah 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 so that, that film has gone on to festivals and we're trying to get distribution now um because we've had some interest so hopefully it'll be on a platform for people to see because as of now yeah. when it's in the festival circuit you can't really show people we have a trailer out that's it right and I want to thank you for the most, one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my career, which was compose the original score for that short film. Thank you for that experience because, God damn it, that was hard. <laughs> no, thank you for saving our butts within like, a, what is it, a week we gave you? Something yeah, it was like a week insane, deadline. Because we were um, going for the Cannes deadline. So to submit for the right. Cannes Film Festival. But yet, we honestly, uh, we thought we weren't going to put music in it. And there was just this really intense sound effects that were going. But it needed music. So at the final hour, I was like, Lucy, my multi-talented <laughs> friend, brilliant uh, classical musician. So tell us about your process. <laughs> oh, well, I watched it like a bajillion times. I had to watch it over and over and over. And what I found most incredible about that experience was how mathematical it was. Because to create the music for a scene that you're watching, you have to literally count out the seconds that you need to fill a moment musically. And that's happening based on what the character is going through internally. So there would be a scene with you and you're in the car and you're slowly unraveling and then something happens and then, oh, oh, and the music has to match all that. And there was no way 
that I could have done that within a time within like counting out. There was, it didn't make any sense. I just had to watch it hundreds of times and count it and make sure that it fit to the, to the millisecond of what was going on on screen. And I've always said I wanted to be a film composer. And after that experience, I was like, hang on, back up and rethink that. (laughs) (laughs) Because Jesus Christ, that was the hardest thing. And look, I mean, it would be much easier in a proper studio with, with musicians, with the team that I could get that done with. But since we had the week deadline and it was just us creating that film, just you guys, just me, uh, it was it was just a gnarly experience, and I was so grateful that that I got to do it, and that it, it was a success, and it, it just turned out so great, and it's a beautiful product overall. Oh my god, it took it to the next level, Lucy. I'm eternally Crazy. grateful that first of all that you could pull that off, and how talented you are yeah. in that time frame. That's almost an impossible task we asked her to do. Like no joke. And we even got live strings. Yeah. We even got live strings. I brought in a live violinist. Because the strings in the in the computer program I was using sounded like shit. And these are really bare parts. There's nothing going on. There's no dialogue. It's just this music. And so I was pulling favors, getting musicians in, and it made such a difference to have that real string in there. Yeah. People, you just, you don't realize what goes into creating something. Which is, and I mean, that's part of the learning that's process. That's the beauty the of it. The first one's the hardest. You're going to do it again. But the fact, oh, Lord. if you didn't have your years of experience and training and talent as a musician, like, I mean, I knew, I knew it was a big ask, but I knew I could ask you and you would pull it off because, no, honestly, <laughs> I did. I, I didn't ask. I know other musicians. I didn't ask because Lucy, I knew you will work yourself to the bone and you did. And I, that's why I'm so grateful because I know that was a tight turnaround. But the exactly the way you're speaking about it, of bringing the music in each moment and filling the emotion is why you made that film so much better because we realized that's what it was lacking any good film you watch, the music and the sound takes you on a ride. And if it's yeah. good, the audience doesn't really realize what's happening, that you're mani- exactly. not manipulating, but that you're taking them on a ride with the music. And I mean, I can do so much with the performance, but then all the post and the sound and everything takes it to the yeah. next level, the next level. And it it made it like night and day difference. That's why I love the process of filmmaking is because so many people are involved behind the scenes. So much time and effort goes into it. And what you're left with is this beautiful thing that looks effortless. Yeah. If it's good, (laughs) if it's good. And that is just why film to me is magical. Mm -hmm. And that's, I've wanted to devote my life to it since I was since I could speak. And I know you feel the same. And Annabelle, you're an artist just the same as we are. You get everything we're saying about the creative process. You do it all the time as well. So I just wanted to thank you for that. There's so much more than meets the eye with the creative process. There is so much that goes into it, whether it's behind the scenes on America's Next Top Model, whether it's the overnight success, overnight sensation that you hear about that doesn't fucking exist. Um, Maybe one in a billion. You know, the you with your composing for the film, you with going on a road trip and making a film and it didn't work, so you made a different film. And, you know, it's like... Yeah. It's so many stages, so many elements, so many parts to starting and restarting and reconfiguring and, you know, that go into this final 
product. And I guess, as we're always talking about, Lucy, it's it's the journey, isn't it? It's the journey. Yeah. And that thing that you get at the end is is a lovely gift, something that we're all proud of. But we talk about the journey, I think, there's hours more we could talk about. Yeah. You know, um, I know. and I, that's my big takeaway from this is is how much goes into, you know, a, a three-minute, 14-minute, 20-second yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blood, sweat, tears. Right. Every, heart, you know, so much work to make it feel like we just effortlessly did. Yeah. You know, yeah. Annabelle, like 100 <laughs> hours go into a three-minute song. I, I yeah. can't even imagine. Yeah. That I don't. Yeah, don't. Don't. <laughs> don't, just, don't ever. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't touch it. Leave that to you the You do pros. enough things, okay? You do enough things. <laughs> yeah, that's not my, not, my, not my thing. But I can imagine how to make it seem the same, like effortlessly easy, which is why mm-hmm. people have this idea in their mind of this overnight success, where they don't see right. the 10 years of work. Because it seems effortless. They see this effortless breakout product yes. or thing people have and they're like oh my god yeah. but like have they seen the hard work behind it of that's i mean right. i'm saying 10 years because like, that seems to be a a timeline that i mm. hear a lot but mm. it's like try 20 sure <laughs> 20 but but that's but the thing is and and this is an ageism also in the business is another thing i just don't care for i'm just over it i'm like so who cares i don't i respect that someone's worked for 20 years and is now ready about i like that about you and i like that about us we don't care about that i'm not interested in it are you good yes or no i do is is what you've made beautiful meaningful entertaining doing something for me is it is it getting me off okay great i'm interested i don't give a fuck about anything else exactly you know and i don't think actually anyone really does other than the people who are the money who are the people at the top right so well not only like you need to keep doing what you're doing because you're breaking that and which is exactly what you're talking about it needs to be broken from within and it needs to be done and done and done and done until it is just the norm Mm -hmm. um So, girls, keep doing what you're doing. Keep fucking smashing shit. Y'all are doing it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's end by just mentioning your film that's that's just come out on Saturday, where you're starring opposite Michael Beach. You're doing a lot of press for it right now. It's called Eminence. It's a terrifying thriller. Any closing <laughs> thoughts on that? I know it was an incredible experience on a boat. On a boat, incredible experience. Well, and, and even just talking about the timeline of projects, we shot this in December 2019, right before COVID. Mm-hmm. Of course, it got delayed because of um, we couldn't do ADR. The sound stuff um, after a lot of the post-production mm-hmm. got delayed because of the pandemic. Um, but it was an incredible experience. It was one of those magical sets where everybody involved was there for the right reason and wanted mm-hmm. this beautiful thing with that was a low budget but had a massive amount of talented people uh, having it, holding it as its baby, and it made a difference. You know, um, I saw the full film myself for the first time on Saturday because I had seen bits and pieces. I had seen the scenes I was in, obviously, from that perspective. Yeah. I had a nightmare that night, like major nightmare i'm not even gonna like i won't give away any spoilers but it it affected me like that which i guess is great because i that's so good you got a nightmare from your own film yes (laughs) i'm not watching that i'm scared of i'm like scared of i can't even watch anything a bit scary so i will 
I will um, applaud you from the sidelines <laughs> Watch the and trailer. encourage everyone else who likes scary movies to see it. <laughs> yes. Um, Lucy, you'll have to tell us all yes, about it. So that's I will. Come up. Where can people see it? Uh, so Apple TV, Amazon right now, and it's, uh, I think, on Voodoo. It's on a bunch of streamers. So if you just put in Imminence, Sweet. Um, it comes up. Michael Beach is, you know, the big name in it, who's amazing. Michael Beach is an incredible actor. I've been a fan of his work since I was a teenager. And he handpicked you for this. Mm, yes, so what was it like to work with him? Uh, incredible. I mean, the most generous, kind, giving actor who has, like, worked forever and in a big way, but yeah. is the most humble, like, I say generous actor as in, like, will give you everything to, you know, because a scene is, you know, only as good as who you're opposite. So we'll give you everything on your close-up, on, you know, everybody else's. Um, and and just brings years of experience and knowledge mm-hmm. and makes it look so easy. But I learned a lot. Um, and he brought along a few of his friends who are also these amazing actors who have worked forever. And the caliber of talent, working opposite them made me better. Um mm-hmm. And I'm watching it two years later and seeing how far I've come as an actor. And we're always our, our, our you know, biggest critics. But watching it and seeing how far I've come the two years after that is is a testament to what I learned on that set too. Because that was a big right. that was a big break for me. I was I was handpicked because they couldn't find somebody for my role because she's a very kind of I love Harper my character, but a quirky, interesting. Uh, astrophysics grad student who's a weirdo you know and I'm like perfect I could do that but they couldn't find somebody for my role so they actually went to the producers uh, has the same print agent as me uh, at CESD so I got a self-tape request through them which normally comes through your theatrical agent I wouldn't have gotten that shot otherwise but I got to do a tape and yeah and Michael Beach told me you know he's like that was the one. You were the best, you know, the best tape. It was like, it was no question. Uh, so that was really, um, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. But that was also really nice validation that, like, finally, yeah. I, I'm not getting enough. Sh- we always are like, I want more auditions. We're not getting enough shots. But then when you do and someone sees your capabilities yeah. and gives you that shot, it's, I mean, that'll. It's very validating. Very validating. And and then getting to be on the set where, because it was it, and Indy and the writer, director, is working with, um, you know, the producer on set and they're rewriting and they're adding stuff and um, they're constantly, like, throwing me more lines and different things and, like, can you do this? So just that um, on the fly also being able to go on this journey with them that you don't always get on a big studio movie. It's locked in. The script is locked. You're done. You're doing what you're told. But here I had... And seeing it, I didn't even know what would make it in, but there were scenes that were just added on the set. Like, that wasn't in the original script. So I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's good. So cool. Yeah. And then some stuff is cut. And you're like, damn, where'd that go? <laughs> but it right. was a great experience. Well, just just like working on set with people makes you better in a scene, working opposite Annabelle makes me better. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> I truly mean it's, that. You guys have such a dynamic 
that makes and I'm no, it makes people comfortable and real, and I love that. And I just feel like we've just been chatting, and now I'm like, oh, what's gonna be on here? What did I talk about? But it it does feel like you just everything, everything. You make you everything. feel like at home. It's like when we did your Good. photo shoot, and that was the first time I met you in person, Annabelle. Yeah. And, and I felt like I knew you, you know, and we just met. But you just have this natural comfortable way that makes uh, at least makes me feel like oh we're old friends good now. Yeah. i love that thank you that's a very nice compliment we're vibing well, you guys we yes. are vibing here <laughs> it is it's it's humbling it's an honor to be in the company of such powerful incredible women as you two for me on here and um we're just really grateful that you joined us today yeah, Kasha. thank you so much for giving us some of your precious time thank you both yeah. so much it was a pleasure so the yeah, future is bright for all of us. It really is. Yeah, and I think we need to stick together, we women do. and Big you know time. creatives who vibe like that, and it's it's strength in numbers, you know. It's yeah. a tribe. This is our tribe. Yep. All right, ladies. Okay, boo boos. Thank you so much, you guys. Mwah, mwah. Thank you. Love you. 